0: What do you do if a winter storm leaves you under three feet of snow? You pull out the toboggan, bundle up, and celebrate the joy of winter. If you're a new Belgian brewer, you decide there's no better place to weather a storm than a brewery, and you start experimenting. Hmm, what about this dark caramel-roasted midnight wheat? Shovel it in. A blizzard of hops? Why not? We present our new winter seasonal, Snow Day Winter Ale. New Belgian Brewing. Follow your folly. Ours is beer. With additional support from Kuat Racks and Patagonia. This is The Shorts, and you're listening to The Dirtbag Diaries.
1: I stood in the small Scottish village of Newcastleton, signing on for the twenty four hours of exposure. I gauged myself against the other cross country whippets strutting about in their expensive white disco slippers. Overall, I felt underprepared, underbiked, and overweight. Probably not the thoughts you want before your first twenty four hour mountain bike race. I was putting myself out there to get shot down, and I was utterly terrified. I'd finally persuaded my long suffering girlfriend Pauline to crew for me. Sure you'll get some sleep. But it's not like I'll need you all the time. And, seriously, what could possibly go wrong? Eventually, the promise of infinite portions of cake and chocolate sealed the deal. I'd acquired myself a pit Bunny for the race. Although, I might have to find a new girlfriend afterwards. As I stood on the start line, I wanted to leave. Others had given me their time, mechanics, training partners, experienced racers, all offered help should I need it. I felt like I had to race to repay their generosity. I saw all the relaxed faces and I started to panic. Before I could find a mechanical reason to pull out of the race, the start car pulled up. Clunk, the sound of 150 right feet clipping into pedal simultaneously. I squeezed my brakes to make sure they were still there, zipped up my jersey and took one last drink before tossing my spare bottle and jacket over a sea of riders towards my bunny. We rolled out to the screeching of a Scottish piper who sounded like he was trying to strangle a cat. We rode through streets thronged with locals who had come out to cheer for us, to size us up like horses in a parade ring before a race. As riders jostled for position, I reminded myself that 24 hours is a long time. I rolled up my friends and traded jabs with the guys who had stepped down to the 12 hour race. Admittedly, they were preparing for the World Championships, but still, no reason to go easy on them. I felt accepted, all the negative emotions from the start line soon forgotten. As the escort sped up, the talking abated. We reached the trailhead, and all hell broke loose. Riders scrabbled for position into the first climb, as if that first effort would determine the race for them. I knew I would ride up this hill another 15 or so times, and saw no reason to rush. I rode with the flow, tried to embrace what was happening, and forgot everything that came before. The sounds of a mountain bike race surrounded me. The snick, snick, snick of riders shifting gears, the crunching of gravel under tyres, someone cursing as their rear derailleur embedded itself in the wheel, ending the race within the first 500 metres. Minutes turned to hours, hours turned to laps. I'd ride a lap, roll into the pit tent with Pauline, changed my bottle, empty my pockets of gel wrappers, and then refill them with full gels. The pit became my brain, the only point where I thought about the race. Everywhere else, I was an automaton. I shifted gears before sections, pre-jumped rocks, avoided holes. I only noticed the change to dark when the 12-hour racers left the course and it suddenly got lonely. I looked forward to the momentary human contact in the pit, and each time I was tempted to linger. My friends were crewing with Pauline now. They were ruthless. I would come in and go out like a race car driver. My pleas of pain were met with ibuprofen and caffeine. You've been riding for 16 hours. Of course you're sore, was about as pleasant as they got. I thought about the hours I'd spent training while everyone else was at home or socialising. I thought about the weather I'd endured and the work I should have been doing on my never-ending PhD thesis. One more lap was better than sitting at my desk editing my thesis. Anything was better than that. Dawn broke, and for the first time in hours I was greeted by real food. Bacon sandwiches never tasted so good. But something was not right. As I munched down the food, my friends told me that I really needed to keep going. My friend Jason looked nervous. Pauline was busying herself. I asked for the first time how I was doing. Uh, top ten-ish, Jason said. I knew he was holding something back, I could hear it in his voice. They promptly informed me I was losing time to two riders behind me, another rookie rider, in the category I was leading. Worst of all, I knew him, a fellow Irish rider, someone I would ridden with before and fully respected. I rolled out of the pit angry for the first time. Why didn't they tell me sooner? I stomped on the pedals through the race village, barely acknowledging the cheers from the other pit crews. I rode my second fastest lap of the race and blasted through the pit with little communication. With three hours left, I could still get two laps in. Every time I looked over my shoulder, I saw him in the trees, sitting on my shoulder like a weight, trying to drag me back. I started to remember where I should be, sitting at a desk, working on a thesis that had taken four years for me. Four years of suffering for something that I no longer sure I could finish. I pushed those thoughts from my head and just rode, I'd come here to escape this feeling of desperation, not to find more. We took the final descent together, and I knew when I rolled into the pit for the final time it was going to be tight. For the first time I was downright rude to my crew. I shouted orders as I ditched my spare kit, grabbed food and left. I rode past his pit without looking to see if he was there. I hit the hill where we were released 20 something hours ago. I rode sections as fast as my sleep-addled brain would allow, and I pushed the biggest gear I could. I forgot to eat and just rode on what calories were left in my stomach. I dedicated myself to the one thing I wanted, to get the race done, to be finished and to never have to think about it again. Was I racing? Or was I a rolling metaphor for my own thesis? This had stopped being fun. As I crossed the finish line, I felt release. Real food, a beer, hugs. I spewed out apologies for my behaviour. I sat on a bench on the verge of tears and tried to take it all in. I was distraught to find out I was second rookie, beaten by a lap. My crew apologised for missing the rider, tried to shoulder the blame, to take the edge off. I laughed as if I really didn't care. Coming in ninth was more than I had expected. I didn't need a jersey to prove it. Then, fatigue hit me feeling so deep that I was shocked by it. I was a mess physically and mentally. At the tent, Pauline stripped, changed and toweled me down and then placed me on the floor to sleep. For the first time in four years, I fell asleep not thinking about my thesis. Punishing my body to free my mind never felt so easy to execute. So simple. Months have passed since the race. I've spent more hours at a desk typing than I spent training on my bike. Consumed more caffeine than I thought humanly possible. I've just stepped out of the pit and I'm on the final lap of my thesis. Submission dates are rapidly approaching. My automated brain clicks and types its way through edits towards a finish line. A softbound copy of four years of my life. Like a race file of a 24-hour race, it says nothing about the work and pain that went into it. As I stare at the final edits, I realise I'm coming down that final descent again. I'm no longer racing, I'm trying to stay ahead of my examiners, predict what they will ask, plug holes in my arguments, outthink the thinkers. This thesis won't earn me a jersey, no medal, no free beer, just a gown I'll have to give back after the ceremony. My legs pedal against the clock, and now I'm racing the dwindling research funds. The screen is on, the edits are marked in red, and my fingers float across the keyboard. In the end, it will be a mental push more than a physical one that will let me cross the finish line. I'm Greg May, and this is my short. After turning in his thesis,
0: Greg spent the holidays rock climbing in Wales, almost there. Music today by Blonde Fire, See It Last, and Brown Recluse. You can download the tracks for free from our website, DirtbagDiaries.com. The Diaries wouldn't be possible without New Belgium Brewing, who encourages you to follow your folly. They are celebrating the season by spreading beer cheers. Create and send your card at newbelgium.com, and they'll donate a buck to a good cause for every card you send. Check it out at newbelgium.com. Support for the show also comes from Kuat Racks, makers of a better bike rack. Their design team bikes a lot, complains a lot, and thinks a lot, then mashes it all together to redesign and perfect their products. You can see their full lineup at kuatracks.com. As always, the Diaries would not be possible without the good people at Patagonia. I'm Fitzgerald. That was Greg May. Happy New Year's, and you've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries.